0: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning. Good morning, Professor Ward Scott. Here in the
1: Manly Wardhall Command Center, we're just trying to figure out if we—if you're getting us on the Facebook app on a phone, uh, we're not sure exactly how you're communicating. Uh, I can't see the Facebook app on mine. And so I know YouTube is running us and I'm sure that uh, we're checking this out right now. If I can't, uh, if you want to text me, text me on the uh, sideline and let me know what's going on at 352-389-397 352-389-3997 and see if we can, uh, if we're communicating with each other. I'm um, in the Manly Warthold Command Center Man Cave here inside the Mellon Law Studio, which, as you know, Mellon Law has 50 years of experience and is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. Melton Law won't back down. So um, crime prevention also, worry less with crime prevention. Help them help you by your uh, security systems. And you can contact them at cpss.net. And, of course, our shout out to our sponsor for our mugshots, Marisa uh, T. McDaniel, who is a fifth-generation Floridian and a former uh, airborne uh, soldier out of the Special Forces and uh, a lawyer in High Springs. So um, not getting any communication here. We got, finally, I see it. Hang on. Let me see if I'm now looking at you all, looking at me. And um,
0: here we got, finally, I see it. Yeah,
1: okay. And I heard myself, so uh, we should be okay. And that's mysterious to us both in production and yours truly. Why well, that was a little bit of a lag, but one never knows. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for bearing with me while we checked all that out. I see you my good buddy from Atlanta, Ken Hillier, is watching. So uh, we're going to talk about some things today that really uh, hopefully will be educational for you. I've titled the show today, The Politics of Information. There's a lot of politics and information. And that's the problem, if you will, with information is that it's uh, problematic because it's coming through a filter that is not um, necessarily scholarly done. I like to use the word scholar sparingly because there are very few people who actually legitimately qualify as a scholar. There are those people who uh, think the standing joke now right now uh, with the, uh, since I'm watching the NBA playoffs and I watch uh, Barkley and Shaq and um, that, that, the chemistry among that four um, group people on is, is fantastic. Um, when you have that many people and the chemistry is the way it is, you've got, I just about, I just as leave listening to them talk about the basketball game as I would watch the basketball game. But um, um Uh, Barclay was trying to spell a a word the other day monumental I think was the word he was used and and Shaq asked him if he could spell it and and Shaq said uh, can you spell that word and then the others chimed in and jumped on the Chuckster and asked him if he'd actually gotten an education what he majored in at uh, Auburn and the Chuckster is the best at making fun of himself which makes him such a great character. He said, well, uh, he uh, majored in undecided. And they, they laughed about that. And, and then he said, well, what did you do? You remember any of your courses? And he said, yes, he took music appreciation. And they said, well, what did that mean? And he said, well, they played the music and I appreciated it. So that was a real good guffaw out of that deal. Uh, that was uh, that was really worth the, the ticket of admission to hear those guys make fun of each other. and. The fact that they don't, they blow off school. I don't know of any jocks really that were scholars. I never have met a jock scholar. I, su- I, su- I, I guess there is one maybe somewhere. Don't get me wrong. There are some very bright guys, uh, but generally they get the meal ticket uh, all the way from the beginning to the end, come to expect it even in adult life. Uh, that's the reason most of these uh, restaurants that are named after the jocks go broke and we know that from the research that went into the spurrier grill is that the reason some of these other places that they've got them all around the country here and there and occasionally and you'll hear of one um, the uh mike dick had one some other guys had one and the reason they go broke is all their jock buddies come back to eat there and think they deserve to eat free i mean after all they they've been on they've been free all their lives so why shouldn't they come to their jock buddy's restaurant and eat free there, too? And so that's one of the first things you you learn about the, the jock world is it's, uh, it's, it's it's it is definitely we like to we like to say it's student hyphen athlete. But that's a, a really kind of a joke. It's um, uh, occasionally you got one and in major, a legitimate major. Um, I do know of a, a, a lineman for Steve's team. Uh, very good guy. Very bright guy. majored in industrial engineering. So they do exist. Don't get me wrong. Um, they do exist. But if you take a and it's gotten worse uh, I and mean, it's gotten much worse. Uh, and I, I judge this by the evaluation of the way in which the English language is used. Um, the Misconjugation of verbs, um, um, the present, uh, the past perfect tenses just blow them away. They don't know how to say that. I hear uh, some of the super announcers say if he had ran. You know, for me, that's like taking your fingernails and running them down the chalkboard. I just can't believe that that dude is out there publicly using English language and doesn't know how to conjugate the verbs. Now, he probably I I will assure you if we stop him in mid track and ask him about it. I'm thinking one of the guys who does this that I remember is the former quarterback, Troy Aikman for Dallas. And he's an articulate guy. And don't get me wrong, he's paid out to Yang Yang, but he'll often say if he had just, if he had ran. Well, none of the students that I ever ever taught much ever knew what the perfect tenses were. Uh, They couldn't conjugate them. They didn't know what they were. They didn't know there was a name for them. You see, they don't ever learn their language. They just learn their language by osmosis if they're natives. They don't know how to revise. That's the biggest test of the competence of a thinker is think whether the thinker knows how to revise and knows what to cut and what to delete, and what to expand. That means you have an advanced understanding of the system. Uh, but these fellows really don't even know how to uh, make a, 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 a perfect answer. So they misuse had ran should be had run. Well, you say, well, by golly, how come you ain't announcing? Well, if I were announcing, I would, and I just use a subjunctive mood, by the way, if I were, which is contrary to fact, now, I have a good friend who who is uh, once upon a time uh, set my ears out, which means he cut my hair. And I used to love to hear him talk. He used to say, if, he, if you was to take and put. And I used to say to him, uh, uh, sir, you know, you're my good buddy. I come back. You're great hairstylist and all that. But um, it ain't take and put. If you was. And by the way, if you was would be spelled W-U-Z. If you was to take and put. Uh, That on the shelf. I said, why don't you just say if you were to take or if you were to put? I mean, that's all it really takes. If it were to put, if you were to put, if you were to put the article on the shelf, If, if you don't need to take it to the shelf, if you was to take and put it. But see, he's got it in his mind that before you can get it to the shelf, you have to take it to the shelf. Okay, that's wonderful. That's what we call idiomatic expressions, the way certain people use the language. And then of course, we have the whole other version, which is the black version, which I can't understand. Um, I try, but, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. And, and because I'm not around it, I don't use it. I don't hear people around me use it. So I, I do understand the country language. I, I remember whenever I would go back to the country uh, in the summer times to work on the farms, uh, my mother, who was a primarily educated, my family was extremely well-educated, I would come back from the country using the country versions of the verbs and all that. And she would just about pull her hair out. She would say, oh, my golly, uh, here we've spent all this money on you to educate you. And you can use the English language like that. And I said, uh, well, mother, it's just a dialect. I can change back to formal English. So people want to know what formal English is. Formal English is the uh, version of the language that the courts use. To keep your most important records uh uh, ca- uh, uh, uh on, uh, on uh, uh, preserved so the reason i'm getting into that is because in this show i'm going to talk about a, a, a confusion about uh the uh the the uh pronouns and what why they've been politicized and how it has destroyed meaning but before we get to that why It'll be it'll be uh, uh, a little bit of a discussion before we get to that. But first of all, I want to talk. I want to answer a, a couple of things that have occurred here recently in the Gainesville sunset. And if you're going to listen to me sort of speak, grade the paper, and uh, I'll go through that with you as we go through it, because I, I, it just jumps out at me when I hear people misuse the language because they're, they're misthinking There's a correlation between thinking and writing well means uh, thinking well. There's a very good book that uh, you try to get the advanced students to use called Clear Writing. And clear writing teaches you to revise. And if you are if you're going to revise, you have to be able to think well. So there's a controversial subject going on right now. That the liberals are taking a pot shot at. And that is um, that is the. um, um, Reedy Creek, and Reedy Creek is down there where uh, my family spent a lot of time uh, since the early 40s, uh, mid 40s, maybe 40, 46, 47, long in there. Uh, but I uh, just, to, just to begin this discussion, uh, I want to say that a federal uh, judge has tossed out a lawsuit against uh, Desantis. Uh, the lawsuit was trying to halt the dismantling of Walt Disney World records. World Resort, Reedy Creek Improvement District. Now, you know, I have my own relationship with Disney. Um, my, My family came, some of my family, came to the St. Cloud, Florida area in the mid 40s to fish. And I remember first coming here in the early 50s. And I remember basically how quiet Florida was. You could listen to the wind go through the mossy trees um, where there was no traffic. Um, it was, it, it, you know, the, the lakes ripple quietly. The, you could hear the fish jumping. I have pictures in our family lore book of my grandfather and great uncles and all. Uh, two people on one end of each, uh, each end of the string, and they're probably standing a good uh, seven or eight feet apart, and it is loaded with fish. And it's fish they caught that day. And you could live off the land then. In fact, that was the rhythm. What you would do is you would plant the crops in the north in uh, the the spring. Uh, In the summertime, you would go to Wisconsin to the lakes to fish, up into Canada to fish, totally living off the land practically, then coming south to Florida in the winter once again, living off the land, never going to grocery stores, uh, picking oranges off the tree right there, pulling the fish out of the water right there. And it was very, very quiet and very isolated and a wonderful place to, I'm talking about inland. Of course, there was South Florida, which was a whole nother world uh, that was made popular really by the Florida East Coast Railway by Flagler who thought, by golly, if people can just get there. And so the Florida East Coast Railway developed by Flagler and which Flagler Beach is all about, transported people down to the southern climes of Florida. But that was another world. Key West was an isolated world. You really couldn't get there by car. Um, You know, it was just it was just another place that was out there by itself. and, it, it, and very seldomly visited unless you determinedly wanted to go there. And then eventually we began to build more access to it by automobile. There was no Sunshine Parkway. Um, 441 was here, um, but they, there was um, one traffic light in St. Cloud, Florida, between the left, you took on 441 at Kissimmee and all the way to uh, St. Cloud and beyond, which would take you eventually to E-Hall Junction down to some of the greatest wilderness you've ever traveled in. um, uh, There was one traffic light, period. And in between St. Cloud and Kissimmee was nothing. Brahma cattle. um, It was hard, tough land. The ranchers had homes that did not have air conditioning. Even nobody really had air conditioning. But they deliberately, even after air conditioning came, which was one of the things which brought people, made it more bearable for Florida to come to, um, they didn't have air conditioning. because. They built their houses in copses of trees and arranged them in such that uh, prevailing winds blew through them. With uh, the house with op- big open windows and tall ceilings. Because you couldn't go in and out of 100 degree heat into a 70 degree chill house that wasn't healthy. So they never put air conditioning in and terrazzo floors, uh, things that were very easy to clean. And, 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 and that's the way I remember, remember Florida when I came here. Uh, to, to, to live with the people, the older people who had been here before me while I went to school and worked in Orlando. I worked at the Martin Marietta Nestle Factory. I think I've told you that story. And one day, uh, 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 and my father's dream, by the way, and my father was uh, heavy construction business, uh, was to come and buy all the Florida land you could buy because right now it was two cents an acre. But he was a visionary. And someday it's going to be extremely valuable. Well, he died before that happened. But one day as I was getting ready to go to Orlando up 441, which would always have to be drive through the fantastically luscious odor of orange blossoms and um, sun-kissed orange factory right there at the corner of 441. um, My grandmother held up the orange uh, Orlando Sentinel, and it was a big green splotch on it. And it said, look here, somebody bought a bunch of land around here. Who would want it? It's not worth anything. And that's my first memory, personally, of the Reedy Creek Resort, Walt Disney's World Resort, Reedy Creek. And it's been hello, goodbye, kiss it off ever since. It is a if you take a look at the strip malls and the junk marquees and uh, I have a former I have a friend who used to be a pretty good football player. He used to joke as he'd ride down some of these broad expanse avenues with eating joints on either side. Look at here, Coach Hogg. Is there any we- reason to starve in America? The only reason to be if you're blind, crippled, or fat. In other words, you couldn't run out of one of these places without paying. Because there's so many of them. That's the way these jocks often thought. You know, they, they, the free meal didn't stop, you know by just getting the, 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 the person we call the jock sniffer to pay for it, uh, it also meant that you could just tall, tall, just walk out because nobody's going to stop you. So uh, that, that became, uh, oh, I don't know, the gaudy, gaudy road uh, to Disney. just uh, filled with, uh, you know, things that I never wanted to see again because I remembered the open pastures and the quiet life and all that. Well, now that's come home to be reexamined, And back then, of course, it was all an enticement to develop the inner uh, part of Florida because the coastline on the East Coast didn't need any help. Well, well, at that time, though, Delray Beach and Stewart and all that were out in the wilderness. So um, it didn't really start to boom until a bit later. But uh, now DeSantis has won his first go-around with um, the federal judge determined Um, just recently, a couple of days ago, that the federal court lacked standing because it was a state issue. So the plaintiff's First Amendment arguments were flawed, the judge said. And the lawsuit was premised on a piece of legislation that does not go into effect until July. So uh, he said, this is it. I ain't going to listen to this stuff. And so there it is. It was filed uh, last week by William Sanchez. And you don't need to make a guess, by a Democratic contender for the Senate. So, of course, he's going to turn this into a political issue. you got to do something because he can't run on inflation. He can't run on the gas prices. He can't run on anything else. He's got to run by uh, blaming uh, DeSantis, whom they try to lump with Trump as the be-all-end-all devil incarnate. So uh, they argued in their suit that it violated the Florida taxpayers' Bill of Rights and Reedy Creek Improvement Act, uh, but this judge said, well, you don't get to argue in the state. Uh, the federal government doesn't have anything to do with it. It was a female judge and she noted that the legislation hadn't even taken effect yet. So um, she, uh, uh, the, the book, the political book, and that's why I say today, the politics of information is that Sanchez uh, 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 is arguing uh, uh, that that the, the sanis's move on disney was in retaliation for its vocal op- opposition to the you know the don't say gay deal which it, the bill doesn't even have the word gay in it so um uh, you know the the, pro- the the issue is that uh, well he just did this out of spite and if you don't play ball according to the way he wants to play ball uh then you you can't have disney well along comes a guy who who is a uh, Published in the Gainesville Sunset um, as a guest columnist, it's a guy named Bruce Anderson, and I can't help it. I, it's the devil in me made me do it. He is the uh, his name is Bruce Anderson. Uh, um, he is the endowed chair, I get this, in American history, government, and civics at Florida Southern, um, and he he uh, he just couldn't bring himself to write objectively about the issues in Reedy Creek without taking a shot at DeSantis. Now, what gets me about that is people say, oh, you know, why is DeSantis and everybody all up in arms over the politicalization of education, which is of course a place where you get a lot of information. Um, Well, as you listen to these paragraphs and as I sort of grade them, uh, you'll see why, why, uh, you know, some of us are get tired of this stuff being intrude, intruding into the classroom. And believe me, it intrudes. Uh, these these people are, are they who they are 24-7. They don't leave their hat at the door when they come in the classroom. And, and, and that's just very exceptional people. They have to be very exceptional people. And as uh, one of the really great Criminal attorneys told me around here one day when we were talking, oh, "People are just people. Um, we have these ideals, and you know, very few can live up to it. Most people are just people." And so he writes this column. Of course, they printed in the Gainesville Sunset. Anything that uh, takes a shot at Trump or takes a shot at DeSantis, if you want to get published, why the Gainesville Sunset will publish it. But in this thing, this Bruce Anderson says, and I don't know the gentleman, so. He, he might be a very good fellow to have a coffee with. But uh, he says, DeSantis has always baffled me. Uh, well, no kidding. I mean, I mean, does it matter? Is that part of the analysis of Reed Creek that DeSantis baffles you? No, it's not part of it. But this is an editorial. So an editorial is designed to emotionally push you in a certain way rather than objectively analyze Now you have to be very careful where you read editorials. If you go to the Wall Street Journal, you'll tend to read editorials that are not pushing you one way or the other politically. And so there's a hierarchy, and I read all day long all these publications. I don't say all day long, because every once in a while I have a beverage, but uh or I go to the gym or something, but I read quite a bit across a wide range of sources of information. And then you get to understand the point of view of the sources. And you sort of understand that if you average them, you kind of get to the middle and somewhere in there is the, is the real story. So but you have to know the whole smorgasbord, if you will, or continuum of sources of information to sort of reckon uh, at the end of the whole examination of the works consulted, which ones you'll actually use as your work cited. But see, I have a mind that's trained to do this most people are still trying to figure out who's coming to dinner or you know uh, that's not me you know somebody else has to do that for me i've got these other things to think about so he says that uh, most of the things that DeSantis has done are cheap come on to his base for a presidential run I, I don't know what you know they keep well i think he'd make a darn good president i mean that's my editorial comment and i'll tell you it's my opinion but I'm not the only one and and, and, and it's nothing at all uh, 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 a cheap, a cheap come on. What is a cheap come on? I, I, I'm, I'm grading the, young, the gentleman's paper, okay If the, the gentleman submitted this to my rhetorical strategies class, I would be doing him a disservice not to ask him to explain himself. Otherwise he's going to open himself up to, for criticism like mine. And what you want to do as my student is you want to fix it so I can't criticize you. You want to fix it so there's no way I can beat you or I can ask you questions you can't answer. And in turn, the reason I want to do that for you is you're going to come back and maybe someday be my governor, be my mayor. You know, so I've got to make sure that at least I do my part in helping you be the best clear thinker you can possibly be and then you will help me be a clear thinker. It's a reciprocal, circular arrangement. So I'd have to say to this gentleman, if he were my student, Mr. Anderson, uh, chief come on is a chief shot. There's no evidence at all in this uh, presentation of your language that these terms are defined. Uh, His base, his base, have you checked out his base? Are you besmirching his base? Yes, that's one of the tactics, of course, is to besmirch the other's base and to make them out. Of course, the most famous example of that is Clinton's deplorables. Um, When she put deplorables out there, she alienated pretty severely all the people who might have been sitting on the fence and had to choose between two bad actors, one Trump in their minds and the other Clinton in their minds. So when she came out with that, now, of course, she tried to exonerate herself and press tried to help her because the press is crooked as a dog's leg. So they tried to keep the besperchment on Trump but erased it on Clinton. Of course, it didn't work. So uh, uh, this is all done according to Anderson. This confrontation with Reedy Creek is done as a result of DeSantis' ambition to be governed. That is an absolutely unprovable, unconvincing, improbable syllogism. What I would do for Mr. Anderson, if he were my student, I would say, Bruce, write the syllogism for that. What's your major premise, what's your minor premise, and what you conclude? He wouldn't be able to do it. Because it wouldn't be sensible. It wouldn't be logical. This is an emotional statement. It's printed in a, an emotional context in the Gainesville Sunset to an emotional town, which is really strange because if you were to look at the educational qualifications or certifications or of the Gainesville population, probably, and this is hypothetical I haven't done it, you would find, I mean, it's anecdotal, you would find there's an awful lot of very well educated, well educated is a term I'll use loosely, well educated people in the city, since there are two major uh, institutions of higher learning. Now the K through 12 system sucks, but but then you got all the medical personnel. So the chances are you got a pretty good group of well educated people here, and uh, so you're you're putting this out for them. You're putting this kind of thinking. Out for them? Is that what you're doing? And they're not. Are they accepting it? Probably those who have the anti-DeSantis badge on. Yeah, they will. They won't. even. No matter their education. It's very strange. So uh, then Anderson says that DeSantis has a, a way of getting some things done that actually need doing and making them stick, even if by accident. Well, uh, Mr. Anderson, I would have to uh, point out to you that that's a cheap shot, that uh, you have no place in this thought process that you have defined accident. I doubt anything that DeSantis does is from the hip. I submit to you that based upon the behaviors of this governor and the Subsequent victories in the courts that he has well thought out, well-researched his opinions before he puts them out there. I don't believe. Now, listen, I wouldn't be going through this, my friends, the way I'm going through it, if it were not for the fact that this gentleman, Bruce Anderson, I'm going to continue this after our break if it were not for the fact that Mr. Bruce Anderson is, let me read it to you again. This is an endowed chair, by the way, uh, according to the Sunset, Dr. Sarah D. and L. Kirk McKay Jr. endowed this chair. This gentleman is sitting in this professorial chair and the chair is for American history, government and civics. Now, if you want evidence of the fact that education is politicized and information is politicized I suggest you go no further, further is for abstract distance, farther is for measurable, go no further in your mental investigation than this. Here is the smoking gun. This guy, Mr. Anderson, can't pass my basic examination of his writing and thinking yet he's the endowed See, means somebody in the will left the money for the thing. Chair of, of government. Right back on the Ward Scott Files, it gets better. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care, Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold Sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscotfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner,
0: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. All
1: right. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warhol Command Center here inside our Melon Law studio. 50 years of experience with Melon Law the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to report to you that uh, Mr. Bruce Anderson would uh, have to revise his paper for me, even though he is the endowed chair of American civics and government at uh, Florida Southern. And he'd just have to go back and he might choose not to revise or he might not be capable of revising One of the ways in which you evaluate the quality of the student is by how that student addresses failure. Uh, Most students are afraid to fail, therefore they don't learn. And by that, I mean, you know, if you're swinging a bat for a living and you keep missing and you keep getting struck out, okay? Well, you can go to the batting cage. You can go to the batting coaches. And you can examine your technique and you can revise your swing. You can revise perhaps your position in the box. And but that's assuming that you have the ability to do that, that you have the ability to actually, first of all, be motivated to want to know how to do it better and stop striking out. And so. You improve and all of a sudden you find yourself in the 200s for a batting average and maybe you actually get up into the 300s, which is the low 300s. By golly, you're in a kind of what we say in the weightlifting in the kingdom of the big pig. You know, once you get up over the 300-pound bench presses, at 300, you're at the bottom of the kingdom. Uh, generally, the 600 range is the top of the kingdom. So you can see how it goes. The kingdom of the big pig is um, bench pressing in increments of hundred pounds. So that sort of correlates with what we have in bore ball, uh, uh, the at- batting averages. So uh, here we have a fellow who right now is striking out. Uh, he's not doing very well, but who is his coach? That also depends upon whom you want to please. Um, if, if, you, if, you, if you really wanna be a great hitter, You want Ted Williams to look you over, so to speak. If you want to be a great tennis player, you want uh, some of the great tennis coaches to take you under their wing and uh, help you as much as possible, not develop bad habits. And uh, you become known if you're a coach or a great teacher for the ability to help the player or the student. But there's some who avoid you or some just can't get there to the level you want is because they have certain limitations. I don't know what the IQ is of Mr. Anderson. Uh, It's not in the IQ level of, say, of Dr. Ansel Ross, obviously, or um, any of the great thinkers like Jason Riley and people I quote, or certainly Thomas Sowell. um, Those people, they write far better, think far better uh, than Mr. Anderson does. But um, bless his heart, he's probably a very good fellow. Uh, But we're looking at uh, some things he's saying are rather dangerous. he goes on to say, he calls uh, Governor DeSantis a Maverick governor. Well, derivative of Maverick, of course, it has also become the name of a car. Uh, God knows uh, the automobile industry will rip off anything it can rip off and borrow that brand and, 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 and prostitute it so for the purposes of making money. But an original Maverick would be an unbranded cow. Once upon a time, we had open ranges. We even had open ranges uh, short, you know, when I was here early in Florida, uh, we could had actual cattle roundups by horseback uh, and you would go out for several days all the way to Eagle Junction uh, from, from perhaps from, uh, uh, from St. Cloud, Kissimmee area, on horseback, camp out, round up these cattle. Um, the Maverick, the only way you knew that were your cattle by the brand. So uh, a maverick governor is an unbranded governor. Uh, no, we've got a brand. Uh, you branded him. You branded him a Republican, Mr. Anderson. You branded him. Uh, so why would you turn around and call him unbranded? Well, Mr. Anderson may not know the derivative of the term. Uh, he may be using the term to mean a disruptive governor. But he's not disruptive. You know, what what, what is a disruptive government? Well, it's one that disrupts what you believe in, I suppose. You see what I'm saying here about Mr. Anderson's column and his thinking. So then he goes on to say, and I apologize for this, my friends, but this is a good uh, session for you all to understand. When you try to pass something by uh, yours truly here, you better pass it by at a very high level, unless we're just making conversation. And then possibly I won't be hanging around you much because you might be just boring a tar out of me. Um, and so I, I always advised, I had a friend who had a disruptive uh, uh, young son one time and he asked me to talk to him. And all my only piece of advice to him was uh, hang out with the smartest people you can hang out with. And what I meant by that is you hang out with those people provided they'll let you hang out with them and you'll learn from them you'll and so i always tried to get the smartest teacher i could get it didn't matter what department he was in and i had a lot of trouble you understand because when you go to the university they try to put you in a program and i had a counselor very nice fellow um who used to uh, just wipe his brow he couldn't understand me you know we had to report to our counselors periodically and tell them what our course schedule was and what we were taking And I never had a course schedule that made any sense to him because it didn't have any kind of major at the end of the study. And so I was just taking classes that I saw that had bright teachers. If it was over in the College of Biology or wherever, then that's where I went. And if it were over in education with Hal Lewis, that's where I went. And I didn't, you know, it was just driving the counselors crazy. And I remember I used to have these conversations and he would say, listen, you know, you have to have a major. And I said, why do I have to have a major? If I have the money, why can't I just pay and take the courses I want to take? Buddy, let me tell you something. You'll blow a fuse in the education process if you do that. The education process is set up. To get you in and out of it as quickly as it as it can, with as least least trouble to it as it can possibly uh, you can possibly make. It doesn't want any trouble, you know. It doesn't want you to ask it to do things that it can't do in big standardized bulk uh, groups and silos of thinking. And so, um, I used to have these conversations. And I never had a major until the very end. There was a lady who looked after me in records of admissions. She took a a shine to me, as we say. And one day I got a phone call from her and she said, Ward, you're going to have to pick a major. You've been here X number of uh, uh, courses and uh, you're getting near. And I said to to the lady, I I remember her name, but I'm going to use it. "Uh, uh, uh, Ma'am, why do I have to? No, there's a ticking clock. When you enter the university, you have so much time before you must complete your travel through the university and you're getting near the end. And, and so I said, well, what do I have the most courses of? What do I have the most? What, have I, what are the courses, it seems, looking back on it, that took the most? Number? She said, well, you took a lot of English classes. I said, good. Give me a major in English and i will be fine. Oh, come on. Nobody does that. You know, I didn't even know that, you know, I needed to have a confinement like that because I was I was just looking for the brightest people who would let me sit around. them. So I doubt that I would go into Mr. Anderson's class. If I did, I would be a troublemaker. And you have to understand that I have been a troublemaker all my life because I ask questions. I hold to this day, I'm pretty sure I've been back to my high school one time. The record number of nights of detention, afternoons they were, for any student that ever went to my high school. I mean, I was always getting kicked out of class. I mean, I was bored. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, are you going to beat that drum to death? I mean, that kid should have picked that up two minutes ago.
0: So, anyway. DeSantis is a disruptive governor. Fine. He's my
1: kind of governor. I like disruptive people. That means he's thinking. That means that he's examining the sacred cows, to borrow this man's metaphor. He's examining that which you're not supposed to examine. And Reedy Creek is one one of them. It's time somebody examine Reedy Creek. And even this guy Anderson agrees with that. These special arrangements were done initially to develop the interior of Florida. As my grandmother said, who would want this land? And by the way, the land was purchased. Nobody's ever brought this up, by the way, in these recent articles, uh, 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 disingenuously. Disney sent down independent agents to purchase individual partials, which were, of course, contiguous from individual owners and never really... Did the owner suspect that all these partials were going to be put together into one huge uh, form and that the true buyer was Disney? Or otherwise, the
0: seller would have held out for more money. You know, now, where's the ethics in that, by the way? So
1: then, Mr. Anderson says, when Florida was young and in critical need of growth. Now, you got to watch using the term young. Without defining it, what what is the definition of young to Mr. Anderson? If you want to talk about the oldest place in Florida, of course, we all know where it is. It's St. Augustine, 1565. But Florida was not a state then. Florida was a 27th state in 1845. So we've got about 300 years. Imagine this now. 300 years, that's a lifetime of most mortals average, what, 75? So, you know, we've got the turnover of several generations here before we get to the 27th state. But he's not talking about 1845. I don't think. He's saying when Florida was young. No, he's missing a, an adjective. Here I would say, Mr. Anderson, Put an adjective in when commercialized Florida was young, because Florida was not very commercialized until Disney,
0: except on the coast in South Florida. The rest of it was agricultural and rural for the most part. When I first
1: came here, and I first went with the upper class guys out to Henry's Liquor in Putnam County to get a fifth, and we rode in the. A 1955
0: Plymouth, which then was only six years old, I thought we were going to the hinterlands. There were no other cars on the road. There were—I
1: mean, it was nothing between Gainesville and Henry's Liquor across the, just beyond Hawthorne. I mean, I just remember it as being vast, uncharted territory. But that's only 1955. What is he talking about? Let's define young because Florida has many stages of development. But he doesn't. It doesn't. So I'm just going through a little bit of this with you because uh, later on, uh, he takes another cheap shot and says DeSantis is arrogant. And uh, and I'm thinking, do you keep this out of your classroom teaching Do you really think this guy can keep it out of his endowed endowed chair? Uh, Now, the problem with this type of thinking is if these people who read this Gainesville Sunset, get their ideas from this kind of guy, then you're liable to get these types
0: of letters to the editor. I'm gonna just go over a couple. This uh, person whom I do
1: not know, is, of course, complaining about something about which she does, that she doesn't understand. Her name is Alice Gridley. I don't know Alice Gridley, um, but I can tell you that um, she would be um, asked to revise her thoughts if she cared to, um, because I can't see that they make sense right now. Um, she says, after reading the draft of Roe versus Wade position by Justice Samuel Alito, And the apparent sport of some other justices. I was moved. Now, moved is an interesting verb here. Um, I was moved to write. Now, that's passive uh, 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 voice. There are two voices in English, active and passive. So she was moved by what?
0: You see, we don't know. That's the problem. Was she moved by her mental composure or lack of? What, what, why didn't she say, why did she say,
1: was moved? She doesn't even know she's in the passive voice. I will assure you, I will assure you that if I were to talk to Alice Gridley, bless her heart, and say, Alice, do you realize you're in the passive voice? Well, she would look at me with a blank stare.
0: Because the first thing I would ask her to do, she would advise this, is get it out of the passive voice. Because we don't know what moved you. So she was moved to write. And she says she wrote to
1: the chief justice. She says she wrote. Now, is that literal? Which is actually wrote? Or is it figurative, meaning in her mind she wrote? We don't know. I'm taking it literally. And here's what she wrote. Do the justices not care about? And then, of course, she misuses the colon. Uh, The colon uh, does not come after a preposition. So I'd have to say uh, a timeout, Alice Gridley. If You're going to use the colon. Here's how it's used. Uh, Then she says child rape, adult rape, domestic violence rape. And now we see why the word moved is there, because she's just running all over the place emotionally. Just all over the place emotionally. The life of a woman Uh, who's been told she will die if she carries the baby full term. A woman who's been told, this is pouring out of her now. A woman who's been told a child's life is not viable. A woman who dies because an abortion was attempted without a trained professional. Ms. Gridley, all of this is irrelevant. If you actually read Alito's draft, if you actually read it, if you actually understood it, you left out the thing that is most important to Alito and should be to the rest of
0: us. I would suggest the the item she left out is do you care about the Constitution? That's
1: the issue. Are we able to just put into, as a young lady I know very well said erroneously, are we able to just Put into the Constitution
0: anything we're moved to put in there? Or is there a process? Or do we use
1: the judges, misuse the judges to put into the Constitution
0: something you can't put into the Constitution? Which is the case here. None of this stuff is relevant. To the issue, and that is
1: whether you want to just throw the larger issue, of course, of which you know they have this slippery slope. They say, Oh golly, is the next thing going to be LGBTQWXYZ and the next thing going to be racial man? No. They misstated. What they should say is the next thing going to be further erosion of the Constitution. Because to do all that, none of it's in the, it's nowhere in the Constitution. Rights of L G P T Q W X Y not in the Constitution. You can go to the 14th Amendment. You can go to,
0: now you can put it in there. And that's the issue. There is a process for changing the rule. You just don't change them
1: because you don't like the strike zone. Well, you know, you can't hit a ball in the strike zone, right? You can only hit the ball if it's
0: uh, around your feet. So let's, therefore, let's throw the strike zone out. Huh? Or you can't hit topspin in tennis. So let's, therefore, let's let's make topspin illegal. Really? That's Miss Alex Grindley writing a letter to the editor
1: in a paper that publishes an opinion piece by a Mr. Anderson who needs to have his opinion piece revised. Then we have another letter. I just want to
0: jump around a little bit. We have a... An advocacy that men be held responsible as well as the women for the pregnancy of the woman. Do you know that unless it's a case of rape, of course, um, women always make the choice women always are in control. Men do their courtship dance in order to
1: persuade the woman. This is understood. The most classic example is To His Coy Mistress by Andrew Marvel. If we had world enough in time uh, uh, this, this, this uh, coyness would be no crime. We would pass our long love's day. A classic example, shrewdly, poetically argued by a male trying to persuade a female
0: to accept his quote-unquote courtship. And there was only one detail in the poem That allows us to see that the
1: woman has accepted it. Now while thy willing soul transpires. At every pore with instant fires. I asked the students. What has the lady who never speaks in this poem. What has happened to the lady as she's been listening to the male's. Argument for why she should. Release her favors to him. Now, while thy willing soul transpires at every pore with instant fires, well, the students never do. You see, if it's not told to them explicitly and explained to them, then they're not going to do the work to figure it out. This is a figure of speech. It involves imagery, it involves comparison, it involves prior knowledge. it requires
0: imagination. They're not going to do that. That's too complicated. While thy willing soul transpires if every pore of this defires is a blush. A
1: blush is an involuntary rush of heat to the surface of the skin. Now we're dealing here with Caucasians, and we see this skin
0: redden involuntarily. Why? Why? Why, my dear, arts? And notice a choice of
1: language. Andrew Marvel and these fellows who could write this type of poetry like John Donne, were typically ministers. The way you became a minister is that you had such enormous command of the English language
0: that you preached for salvation and reminded the soul that there
1: lay the spirituality of the human being.
0: And it was sacred and preserved for spiritual matters. Not matters of the carnal world. So her soul has transpired. He, don't you understand, my friends,
1: has corrupted her soul. Man, what a brilliant line. It's the basis for the resistance to rock and roll. It's why we never showed Elvis Presley from the waist down. It's why we never wanted whites to start playing black music. It's why the blacks never wanted blacks to start playing church music? As rock music? Where did Aretha Franklin? Where did Ray Charles? Where did these people learn? They learned in the church. And what do they do with what they
0: learned? They they go out there and talk about fornication with it. That ain't the church. So the church was corrupted. Then the black folks started playing the rhythms. You got a backbeat. You can't lose it. But white folks pick it up. But where'd they get it from? All this came from the poets. Well, I just gave you an education,
1: I hope, or an, 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 just a brief, ins- a brief experience of what class with Professor Warthog was like in the day when I was uh, working away at trying to help
0: critical thinking develop, in myself as well as my students. Why? Because you're reading the newspaper, you're going to college, you're listening to people, and you're being influenced by the politicalization of information. Have a great day.